Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. everybody, Michael Beller, Derek Van Riper working super hard here to get ourselves into the Friday edition of the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. It is Friday, November 12th. Happy Friday to all of you. Happy weekend to all of you. We're going to be talking Week 10 DFS Main Slate DVR. The Main Slate open to us, uh, looking fun, looking exciting. We got a lot of high total games. Uh, should be a fun weekend ahead. Yeah, absolutely. I probably get to watch a lot more college games than usual on Saturday. A little under the weather, not a COVID situation, but a lot of rest, a lot of fluids, a lot of football. Should be a great weekend. Rest, fluids, and football. What more could you ask for? Let's get into it. Let's just jump right in, DVR. Uh, As I said, some good total games here. We've got, let's see, one, two, three, three on the main slate that have totals in the 50s, that includes Vikings and Chargers at 53, Bucks and football team at 51. Always feels fun just to call them football team. And then uh, the highest total on the board, Falcons and Cowboys at 54 and a half. We've got Russell Wilson coming back into our lives. We likely have Aaron Rodgers coming back into our lives after a one-week COVID-related hiatus. Um, it's going to be an interesting week as we're starting to build these rosters. Let's start super broad here. What's the first thing you're doing? What's the first team you're looking at, game you're looking at, player you're looking at? How are you taking that first step into your roster building this week? Just keeping an eye on the Nick Chubb situation because if he doesn't play with Kareem Hunt already out, it's the Dearness Johnson show again in Cleveland in that matchup against New England. And since Dearness Johnson is only 4,700, it's a lot of touches for not a lot of money if he, in fact, gets the start. So, to me, that's the the first thing that I'm locking in. I know he's going to be very highly rostered and, and for good reason. I don't expect him to go off the way he did the last time he got a start. But as I've said on many of our podcasts before, it is the year of the Nando, right? In baseball, it was <laughs> Yermin Mercedes and Adelise Garcia having relevance. And in fantasy football, it appears to be Dearness Johnson stepping into that role. So if Chubb can't go... Johnson at 4,700 is such a a free square sort of play just because of the expected usage in this matchup. Yeah, it it really does seem like Chubb's not going to go. And you and I are sitting here doing this. It's um, 12.15 p.m. Central Time on Friday as we're recording this. So we don't know for sure. But uh, it does sort of sound like Dearness Johnson is going to be getting the start for the Browns uh, on the uh, other edition of our Friday podcast where I talk gambling with Zach Jackson and Vic Tafer. Zach Jackson, our Browns beat writer, said that it just it just looks unlikely. And we haven't actually seen anyone clear this new protocol. Even though Chubb is vaccinated, he still needs two negative tests 24 hours apart. And we haven't seen anyone clear even that protocol so it just feels unlikely as we are sitting about 48 hours away from Sunday kickoff that Chubb is going to play Dearness Johnson at 4700 definitely feels like a free square and the other side of that game could have someone who also factors in in that same sort of way it's Ramondre Stevenson now a little dicier here because Stevenson also dealing with an injury in addition to Damian Harris neither of them practiced on Friday so it feels 
like we're headed toward a situation where there is no Harris and there is Stevenson, but we're probably not going to know until Sunday game time. And even if we do get Stevenson, he's going to be splitting it in some sort of way with Brandon Bolden and or J.J. Taylor. So it's something that doesn't quite measure up to the Dearness Johnson level, but also something I think that we can consider at 4,500. Yeah, probably more of a tournament consideration because of the committee nature that you'd expect to see in New England if they're missing some backs. But uh, yeah, Brandon Bolden's been more of a factor than I would have expected. I <laughs> I just thought he was a special teams guy at this stage of his career. But 10 total touches last week against the Panthers, just enough to put that seed of doubt in your mind if, uh, if you guys are missing. Yeah, that's, uh, that's definitely true. And, uh, I mean, I, I kind of like the Stevenson play. I could see, see myself playing him in, in season long. It is a little bit more of a tournament play in the DFS world. Let's throw things over to the quarterback position here. And I know we don't usually attack it like this. We're just going position by position. It's not really what I want to do, but it's just an interesting situation developing in the Seahawks-Green Bay game in that we are getting these two superstar quarterbacks back this week, or at least we know we're getting one, and it sure does seem like we're getting both. So you've got Russell Wilson, you've got Aaron Rodgers, and you've got Russell Wilson at 6,700. You've got Aaron Rodgers at 7,100. Wilson definitely down from where we would expect to see him if he had been healthy all this time. Rodgers maybe a little bit down from where we would expect to see him. And maybe there's some value value, excuse me, to be found here compared with guys like Kyler Murray, who's still dealing with his injury at 8,000. Josh Allen, 7,900. Tom Brady playing with a somewhat bare cupboard at 7,600. I could see talking myself into, or not even talking myself into, just being confident in Russell Wilson and or Aaron Rodgers as my quarterback. Yeah, they're certainly in play. I, just, I think with the savings on Dearness Johnson, with some mid-level options at running back for that second spot especially, I think it's pretty easy to get up to the higher-end quarterbacks this week. A lot of weeks, I, I don't find it to be that easy, and I end up topping out somewhere around like 6500 for what I can spend at the position. I think you could actually get up to Josh Allen at 7900 pretty easily, and it should be a pretty big bounce-back week for that Bills offense against the Jets. Maybe Mike White and company keep it interesting enough to just keep throwing the ball on mm-hmm, the bill mm-hmm. side too like that's the 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 hidden little nudge that we might get along the way but even even if the jets offense looks awful allen and the bills they're one of those teams they're trying to run up 40 points that's what they want to do especially coming off the clunker last week against the jags they want to bounce back in a big way uh, but if you can't get all the way to 7900 i do think the chargers vikings game that you mentioned up top that's a great potential shootout matchup Love Herbert in that spot. I know it's been a little bit up and down for him in this middle stretch of the season, but that's one of those games I think it could deliver on all the fantasy goodness that we're looking for. I think the question I have again this week is just how much do you trust Dak Prescott? 6900 looks like a nice little discount compared to the prices on the likes of Herbert and Allen, but are you confident enough in Dak's health to go ahead and build around him? We're kind of flying blind, right? I mean, I, I feel like I am. I think here's what here's I think the best way to look at it. I think that the discount is worth taking the risk of just not knowing, right? As last I checked, none of us is the Dallas Cowboys team doctor. So we're just we're not gonna know. We're not gonna know until we actually see Dak out there. We do know that the last time we saw him out there a week ago, he just didn't look right. But here's the thing, DBR. Here's why I'm willing to take the risk on that, uh, in addition to the fact that he's just, you know, in theory, one week healthier. It wasn't just him. 
CeeDee Lamb had that uh, sprained ankle that he suffered in practice on Wednesday. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott had that knee injury that he suffered in the game. Amari Cooper been dealing with injury all season, so maybe he's never going to get fully back to 100% until this season is over. But it wasn't just Dak who was dealing with injury. It was basically every single principal in the Dallas offense. And so I think that once that was true, and then once they got down by three-plus scores in that game against the Broncos, there was not a huge reason to push it. For some reason, Dak was the last guy out there. Everyone else was pulled off the field after 30 to nothing, but you still got Dak out there throwing touchdown passes. That meant absolutely nothing. Um, I do think that it's worth the gamble here. The one thing that would push me against it is Russell Wilson being at 6,700. And now Russell Wilson could be in a spot where Dak was a week ago where he's maybe not quite 100% and maybe he's pushing it coming back a little early. But I look at Dak Prescott at 69, Russell Wilson at 67. Maybe I lean ever so slightly in Russell's direction. Yeah, I mean, I think that definitely makes sense if you're looking in that range. And then I think the other question is just how much do you trust the likes of Matt Ryan at 6,000 and Carson Wentz at 5,900? Because if you don't find savings, if you want to pay up for maybe a premium tight end or you want to have one more really good running back, you're probably shopping in that range. Carson Wentz, after that disappointing game, I think it was back in week three against Tennessee, has been pretty steady QB2, like fringe top 10 quarterback most weeks in this offense. Fits perfectly in this 6K range. And then Matt Ryan, I guess the question for me is more, how much do we trust him in the absence of Calvin Ridley? Like I, I think that's still, I know he played really well against the Saints last week. I just want to make sure I'm not buying an outlier performance since two weeks ago against Carolina, Atlanta's offense looked kind of the way I expected it to. And I realize the Panthers have been really good against the pass this year. Um, so I'm just curious where your trust levels are at with both Wentz and Ryan if you're just trying to save money at quarterback. Could have been an even bigger game for Matt Ryan last week. He missed uh, Kyle Pitts on what would have been like a 50-yard touchdown on their first possession. And so that could have been uh, just a monster game for Matt Ryan if he connects on that one. I like Wentz better. If I'm going with one of those two QBs, if I'm shopping in that range, Carson Wentz is my guy, uh, without question. And really, if I'm going down at all, like I'm not trying to go super cheap. I'm not really interested in playing the uh, Taysom Hill game this week. Uh, you know, I'm not going down really beyond Carson Wentz, but I could get comfortable with that $5,900 Carson Wentz because of the consistency that we've seen from him. We've now seen it so long, DVR, that I think we just have to trust it. We have to take it at face value and expect him to be this sort of 250 and two guy. And sometimes he, it turns into 230 and two. Sometimes it's 250 and three. Sometimes it's 270 and two. But I think we should just go into games expecting him to give us 250 and two, and then he's going to be maybe half a standard deviation away from that in one way or another. But with what we've seen from him, I think we can bank on getting that level of consistency. The one thing, in addition to just liking some of the higher priced quarterbacks, that pushes me away from Carson Wentz is I don't really want to have Carson Wentz and Jonathan Taylor. And with what we've seen from Jonathan Taylor, still $8,100, so we still have two running backs that are more expensive than him, although one of them, Alvin Kamara, looks like he's probably not going to play because of his injuries. The other one, Christian McCaffrey. Jonathan Taylor, 8100 Colts favored by 10.5, hapless Jaguars team. I don't care what happened last week against the, the uh, Bills. I really want to get Jonathan Taylor in my lineups. He might be the one guy around whom I build everything else. Yeah, I, mean, I assume everyone's going to try and use the savings from playing Dearness Johnson, again, assuming that goes as planned, to get at least one of Jonathan Taylor or Dalvin Cook or one of those high price. Najee Harris is going to be popular mm-hmm. at 7,900 against the Lions. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott might be a way to, to get to the Dallas offense without having to deal with the Dak Prescott question. 7K flat, right around 20 touches every week. Atlanta's run defense is nothing special. 
Um, so I think you're going to see one cheap back in Johnson and then one high price back in a lot of cash game builds. If you're a running back in the flex kind of person, then maybe you can jam in a third. But uh, yeah, I would say of, of that group, I mean, Jonathan Taylor, I, I think that's maybe the best all-around setup. If money is no object, he's the guy I like the most of all those high-priced running backs. There's a lot of guys to pair with him, as you said. Uh, just like if, if Alvin Kamara doesn't play, we're looking at a $4,500 Mark Ingram as someone mm-hmm. who could easily get into lineups. And he's someone who's already uh, carving out a meaningful role even alongside Kamara. I don't think we can just take last week as you know what the standard is going to be for him, but nine carries and five targets in the Saints' loss to the Falcons a week ago. So Mark Ingram, you know, a guy who they targeted, a guy who they went after and got at the trade deadline, obviously a very good history in New Orleans, good history with Sean Payton, could have a big role to play if Alvin Kamara out this week. Uh, speaking of big roles to play DVR, Mike Evans, $6,900. Antonio Brown, Rob Gronkowski out. Chris Godwin, game time decision. Mike Evans is going to be very chalky, maybe the most used player potentially, I feel like. And I know you're looking at the Roto Grinder stats. I do not have them up, but I feel like Mike. we know Mike Evans is going to be super chalky. I am totally fine eating that chalk personally. Yeah, he'll probably jump up to the top or very close to the top of the wide receiver projections as we get closer to Sunday. I think regardless of whether or not Godwin goes. I mean, if Godwin doesn't play, that pushes up interest even further. But with two guys already missing in Brown and Gronk, there's enough to go around for both Godwin and Evans. And I was surprised more people weren't on Evans earlier in the week because it looked like things were developing this way, where they were going to be shorthanded. Washington secondary has been brutal. Tom Brady with extra time to break them down. It should be a huge week for Brady and the Bucks. Uh, Brady's kind of expensive. We didn't really talk about him in the quarterback group, but he'd make sense as a tournament pivot. Like if you have the budget to pay up for someone like Herbert or Allen, you can split the difference at 7,600 with Brady. You can have the chalk with Evans and find a few other spots to differentiate your lineup. Maybe add another Tampa receiver to that stack at a low price and then just load up everywhere else in your lineup. And you you could definitely take down a tournament with a, a foundation like that. I know it's totally narrative street and all that, and you know we don't actually base our decisions on that, but couldn't you see Brady just having in the back of his mind the fact that Washington sort of gave them a hard time in the first round of the playoffs last year and everyone loved Taylor Heineke coming out of that game? I feel like Brady could just have been, been nursing this pseudo-grudge for, what, 10 months now and just being like, eh, I'm still Tom Brady. Could see that coming into play in this one. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, he seems like he could be a little petty despite uh, a lot of success, uh, unprecedented levels of success, really, as an NFL quarterback. So, yeah, I could see that. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. 
See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Uh, you know, someone who we haven't talked about, speaking of eating chalk, is James Conner. Obviously, he's going to be very popular. He's coming off the three-touchdown, 140-something yard from scrimmage game a week ago. No Chase Edmonds. And I don't think the the, the Cardinals are going to have really any compunction about using him as a bell cow back. It, it's not that he can't be a pass catcher. We saw him be a 40-catch-per-season guy in Pittsburgh. It's just that when you have Chase Edmonds already on your roster, you have to use him at what he's good at. And what he's good at is catching the ball, getting out in space. Undeniable, he's better at that than James Conner. That doesn't mean that James Conner's bad at it. It just means that Edmonds is better and they have to use the players on their roster. With Edmonds down, Conner's the best pass-catching back on that team. You know Benjamin's not going to take away the pass-catching opportunities from James Conner. So now you're talking about a guy who's going to get... If not a workhorse's work, and I do think that's the sort of role he's looking at, at least something very, very close to it, and you're getting it for $6,300, I think that's going to make James Conner very attractive this weekend, and he's one of those guys in that middle tier at the running back position that if you don't ultimately go down for Dearness Johnson and you're paying a little bit up more, he's someone who jumps out for obvious reasons. Yeah, and I think Conner for me is much more of a volume play than than a situation that I feel like he's a different player than he was in Pittsburgh. Like, Look at his per-carry numbers, 3.9 yards per carry this year, working in that tandem role. He said 115 carries, one has gone for 20 or more yards. So he's definitely not the player that we saw early in his career in Pittsburgh. He's more the guy we've seen for the better part of the last two years. But when you consolidate a backfield like that for an offense that spend as, spends as much time in the red zone and puts as many points on the board as Arizona does, you can say, hey, it's it's volume and it's TD dependent, but it's also more TD likely just because of the circumstances. So I do think this week at the price, James Conner does make quite a bit of sense. We always talk about finding savings at the wide receiver position. Is there anyone in that vein who jumps out at you for this week? Yeah, Jerry Judy at 5,300 still seems underpriced. I'm certainly not the only one who's interested, but as weird as Denver is as a team and unpredictable as they can be week to week, I think Judy's been a priority for them. I mean, we've seen at least seven targets in two of the three games he's played. It was six for 69 against Dallas last week. A very productive game. I mean, tack a TD onto what he did last week, you'd be really happy at that price. So um, I, I'm, I'm in the, the Eagles need to prove it camp as far as the quality of their, their pass defense. I think Darius Slay's banged up right now. So there's a lot to like with Judy. A lot of confusion overall in terms of where the other targets might go in Denver's offense, but it just seems like they want him to be at least a 1A, 1B with Cortland Sutton, but maybe they want Jerry Judy to be their true number one over the course of the season. I think they do, and it's surprising to me that uh, Cortland Sutton is still a couple hundred bucks more expensive, 5600 versus the 5300 for Jerry Judy. We just haven't seen Cortland Sutton, frankly, do anything 
when Judy's been healthy. All of his good, productive games have come when Judy was on IR. And when Judy's been out there, Judy's been pretty clearly the number one guy. And we've, in fact, seen Cortland Sutton get outperformed a couple of times by Tim Patrick when all three of these guys have been healthy. Most recently, last week, Tim Patrick goes for 85 yards and a touchdown. Cortland Sutton gets one catch for nine yards. I think part of that is happenstance, but... The thing that isn't happenstance is that it does look like Judy is their preferred option, and that's someone who I like this week as well uh, at the wide receiver position and could see using him as a flex also. Let's quickly touch on the tight end position before we wrap things up here. I'm looking at a couple of guys in Pat Fryermuth at 3,900, excuse me. Logan Thomas, if he is indeed able to play and get activated off IR, he's at 4,000. I'm tempted just to say, I'm going to go with one of those two guys if Thomas is activated, and if he's not activated, I'm fine just rolling out Friar Muth at 3,900, even though it does feel a little bit like I'm chasing what he did a week ago. Yeah, a lot of the top-end options at tight end are not on the main slate this week. Kyle Pitts is probably your your most expensive option if you somehow want to pay up, but it just seems like I have to save money at tight end. Mm-hmm. It comes down to Friar Muth versus Dan Arnold. We've talked about, I think, on at least three consecutive early waiver pods on Sunday nights this season. But Mm -hmm. the difference for me is what happens in the red zone. The Steelers spend more time there, so that's good. But when they're in the red zone, Fryermuth gets targeted. He's got five red zone targets in the last three weeks, at least six regular targets per game in each of the last three. I think the issues they've had at wide receiver have made him a, a safer volume option in the passing game than he was earlier in the season. So the floor is pretty high. It's a spot where the Steelers should have little difficulty putting points on the board against the Lions. So I do like Fryermuth just a little bit more than Dan Arnold, even though I think Arnold is playable at $400 less at 3500 Fun DFS week that we've got ahead of us here, DVR. A bunch of really good matchups on the NFL slate, some high-scoring games, a couple of big superstars coming back into our lives. All makes for what should be a fun, fun Sunday. That's going to do it for this episode of the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. Thanks so much for joining us. For Derek Van Riper, I am Michael Beller. Have a good weekend. Good luck. We'll talk to you soon.